Now, research by the now widely debunked Kinsey Report once seemed to suggest that the average man thinks about sex every seven seconds. Uh, It was a myth that was widely bandied around for years until further research suggested that, in fact, those figures were hugely inaccurate. In a study by Ohio University last year, researchers sought to obtain more accurate statistics and surveyed a group of 18 to 25-year-olds with the outcome that the men claim to think about sex 19 times a day compared to women who put their number at around 10. But what happens if your thoughts, your everyday life, becomes consumed thinking about sex? Uh, My first guest tonight is a member of the 12-step support group Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous and joins me in studio to talk about how his addiction began to affect his life and ultimately uh, led him to seek help. Lee, welcome to Cape Talk. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, great. Thanks very much for having me. Great stuff. Uh, First of all, how would you describe sex addiction, your sex addiction? Well, look, I mean, um, I think uh, addiction manifests itself in in many different ways, you know, whether it be drugs, food, uh, sex, gambling, uh, whatever the case may be. Um, The thing is with sex addiction, it's known as a process addiction, where alcohol and drugs, it's quite tangible, and you can just put that aside and and give that up, you know, Um, with a lot of work, obviously. Um, But with sex addiction, it's so ingrained into the way you think. um, It's very ingrained into your behaviors. And uh, it's it's very complicated. There's ten different types of sex addiction. So there's there's uh, fantasy sex addict. There's voyeurism. There's exhibitionism. There's pain for sex. Um, so basically, uh, with the work that I do is with a, a guy called Dr. Patrick Kahn, and he's basically the 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 godfather of uh, you know recovery from sex addiction. He lives in the states and he's done some amazing work and some amazing research on on the topic for years. And um, I mean, if you look at if you look at if you take a pizza for example, you know, with all the different kinds of, of sex addiction, you know, like so called sex addiction is the base of the pizza, and then the different types of the different toppings. Yeah, so I mean, it's 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 quite complicated, but I think just like with any addiction, it's it you get to a point where you're actually powerless, and you actually don't know how to stop, and your life becomes unmanageable unmanageable because of that. We'll talk about the, the powerlessness uh, mm. and the steps of the program uh, just in a bit. But for you personally, how did you know that your behavior had become such that it was an addiction, that it was problematic, that you were powerless? Well, look, I mean, I'm also a recovering drug addict. So I knew that when I knew I was in a lot of trouble uh, when I couldn't stop using I mean, I found myself in situations that I never thought I would have experienced in my life. You know, as a kid growing up, um, you know, if you'd asked me, you know, what do you want to be when you're older, I would have never said an addict, you know, or a recovering addict. Um, so I think with the with my sex addiction, you know, I had a very specific type of behavior. And um, I knew that it made my life very un- unmanageable. You know, I, I, I eventually lost my job because of it. Um and I, I actually uh, began my acting out behaviors with my sex addiction uh, way before I picked up drugs, you know, so probably as, as, a, as an early teenager, you know, you know, the, I guess like access to porn was, was around that time. And um, yeah, you know, and, and I just I just felt that the feelings that come with with uh, acting out with sex addiction is very it's very similar to, to drugs. Um, you know, it's the shame. You know, it's 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 it's, it's the loneliness, the uh, promise to stop. I yeah, guess. exactly. The promise to stop. You know, I mean, I remember I used to have these little rituals on Sunday night. So this is going to be my last time using or my last time acting out. And then Monday I'll be back on it, you know. 
Yeah. It's yeah. just that incredible ability to, or inability to, to stop, you know, no matter what I tried. Uh, what impact I mean, you spoke about losing your losing your job uh, mm. what what impact did your addiction have on your life overall can you talk about that unmanageability and and the depths that it got to yeah i think on an emotional basis it, they call it a, a rock bottom in um in recovery and i truly feel one 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 has to hit rock bottom before he really wants to wants to find a new way of life um i mean i had many you know, many nights where I was suicidal because I just didn't know how to stop. You know, it's a it's a feeling of complete hopelessness, um, complete isolation, uh, complete shame. I think shame is is the biggest um, sort of emotion or spiritual sort of bankruptcy that that comes with the addiction. You know, more so than with than with drugs and alcohol, I would assume. Well, yeah, I think it depends on the person, but you know, it, it also depends on what kind of acting out you're doing with, with, with sex addiction, you know. I mean, no, I know so many guys um, through the various fellowships that, I, that I'm involved with who, you know, have lost, and, and it's not just about the financial stuff and the materialistic stuff, it's about the, the, the spiritual uh, sort, of, sort of death that you experience, you know. Um, where I think, you know, drugs and alcohol, I mean, addiction's addiction at the end of the, at the, end of the day, you know. Uh, just... Uh, mm. What were some of the behaviours that caused you problems? Well, look, I mean, I don't want to get into too much detail, but um, for me, like porn and masturbation was was a massive thing in my life. Um, I just didn't know how to stop. And I think a lot of that derived from um, addictions very ba- very much based on uh, trauma, childhood trauma. You know, there's that great argument whether addiction is, you know, genetic or, um, you know, or kind of your, the environment you grow up in. Sure. Um, but I mean, I, I think I experienced quite a lot of trauma growing up. My dad was an alcoholic and uh, came from a very dysfunctional family. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's uh, so basically I, I, I went through a tremendous amount of reje- rejection when I was a kid. So I think because of that, I, I struggled to talk to women. I struggled to to communicate, um, you know, with people. I, I call it a sex addiction, but it's, it's actually an intimacy disorder. I mean, yeah. I think that's the that's the most you know closest to to form that that you know, and um, yeah. So I struggled to connect with women a lot. I was so fearful of rejection yeah. and so fearful of abandonment that I found it easier to just you know isolate and 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 just escape you know escape into into a world of of pornography. And presumably, with with the the accessibility and the availability mm. of pornography, um, obviously the, the intimacy part is completely ruled out, Absolutely. and essentially all you're left with there is the is the hit. Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's a hit. Um, yeah, I mean, and I still struggle with intimacy because of my years of acting out. You know, but I mean, my my example isn't you know isn't the only one. I mean, like I said, there's so many different types of sex addiction. You know, I know guys who are compulsive cheaters. You know, uh, guys who can only get intimate with prostitutes, you know, massage parlors, whatever it is, you know, voyeurism. I mean, and and yeah, it's it's just it's so diverse. It's so diverse. Is there such a thing as that? We talk um, in mm. in drug and alcohol recovery um, about puzzle gateway gateway drugs. Mm. Um, is there such a thing as a gateway drug in terms of in terms of sex addiction? Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because. First of, uh, first of all, addiction is a disease. It's a disease of the mind and, and the spirit, as some like to say. So if, if, if you take um, a, a drug addict, it's not the case uh, for everyone, but, I mean, if you start with, say, marijuana as a gateway drug, eventually 
it's not going to be enough for your brain to to get high off anymore. So you'll move on to something harder. It's called the disease of progression. And just like uh, addiction is a uh, disease of progression with drugs, it is with sex addiction. So say, for instance, you start off with maybe softcore porn. You know, and, 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 and then your neurological pathways in your mind start to alter. And it actually gets to a stage where that doesn't do it in, in, in anymore for, for, for a person, you know. Then they'll move on to something harder, maybe something darker. I mean, it's just a natural progression. And it doesn't happen to everyone. Mm, mm. Um, but then also, like, I, I know guys who, you know, have started with porn um, and then landed up with prostitutes. You know, it's and, and, and it happens. Um, you're saying guys, but but women, women as well. Women, women as well. Women I, as, I use the word yeah, guys a lot, sure, so sure. I mean everyone. Yeah, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's possibly one of. I want to talk to you about misconceptions mm. in just a moment, but I think that's possibly one of the misconceptions sure. is that sex addicts. First of all, um, sex addiction uh, can't possibly be a disease. Second of all, it's not a real thing because if you're a sex addict, just have lots of sex. Mm. Hmm. Educate yourselves, persons, please. Thank you. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and and third of all, that it's something that only affects men. Absolute nonsense. Yeah. Absolute nonsense. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, we have various uh, fellowship groups in in, in the country. Um, we have men only. We have women only, and we have joint. That's more on the on the love side of things. Because, mm. um, like I said, there's, there's a lot of shame based around sex addiction. You know, so I know a lot of. Um, women find it more comfortable to talk about it just with women and the same for guys um but yeah i mean it's 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 cross gender i mean is it absolutely has nothing to do with with gender at all yeah i mean any any addiction i'm guessing does, does not discriminate no, does not discriminate that's the, addiction is the greatest level it doesn't matter if you color what what color you are what job you do you know what social economic class you come from addiction is addiction across all humanity. Yeah, sure, yeah. sure. Um, just tell me then, what what was the what was your rock bottom, and what was the point at which you thought, I, I need help, I need to get help with this? Well, I mean, I actually had an ex girlfriend a couple of years ago when I was still in active drug addiction, and I became very codependent with her. Um, and you know, the way the way we were intimate changed a lot. Um, my acting out behaviors changed a lot. And um, you know, I got to a point where I lost my job because of it. Um, I lost all my friends. Um, and it, it's, and I mean, yeah, I, I just lost everything, basically. I lost my house, uh, family. Uh, no one wanted anything to do with me anymore, you know. So, I mean, I've, I've tried to get clean from various addictions for many years. You know, meditation workshops. Uh, I went to New Zealand to try to get clean once. And, um, yeah, so... It just got to a stage where it's it's called a moment of surrender. Okay. When you you just absolutely well for me I talk on personal experience when you actually just you kind of just give up and you're like okay I'm I'm beaten I'm I'm never gonna win I can't control this you know and I'll never forget that moment and um, so I checked myself into rehab. Okay. Yeah, and um, it was the best thing I ever did. Because through rehab, I found many other avenues in in terms of um, treating my my disease. Did you also find many other and many other addictions? Because I, I you know, I'm very open. I'm also in recovery mm. um, from various addictions. And mm. I remember when I went into treatment, I went in with one thing. By well, the time I'd left, yes, <laughs> I know. I, I know. had a whole li- I had yeah. a catalog. I had a dossier of uh, things d- that was wrong with crazy. me. Crazy. I actually went in for drugs and alcohol, and then I left with um, sex addiction, love addiction, and codependency. Not a, not a gambler. Not a gambler, believe it or not. Yet. Not um, but um, and 
you know, it's a bit of compulsive overeating as well. F- food is a big thing for me. Okay. Um, that's something I need to always be be conscious of. Um, but yeah, I went in with with a drug and alcohol problem, and I walked out with my primary addiction being sex and love addiction, and that made a lot of sense to me. I think, like I said earlier, I I was acting out in that those areas way before I picked up drugs and alcohol. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, what we talked a little bit about about the the origins uh, of your sex addiction. You've talked about your father being an alcoholic, um, and it tends to be that it, often it, when it comes to addiction, that it's a family disease, and uh, it not only affects everybody in the family, but often parents, uncles, brothers, sisters mm. would also be affected. Um, how has your family dealt with your recovery? Yeah. Look, I mean, my family has been amazing. They've I mean, there was a time when they had written me off. Um, but I was blessed enough to go into rehab and start working a, a, a very strong program. And I think through all the hard work that I'd done, uh, I was able to make a living amends by just by staying abstinent and, um, you know, not not picking up drugs or alcohol. You know, I earned their respect and their trust and their love back. Um, and I think through that work, I mean, my, my family is my, my number one priority, you know, uh, after my recovery. And um, I think once I got their respect and compassion back, uh, I actually opened up to my mom about my sex addiction. And I'll never, wow. for, I'll never forget that phone call because my mom and I, we, we very tight. And uh, I phoned her and I was like, I, was like uh, I think I was a month into rehab and I was like, mom, um, so guess what? <laughs> I've, apparently I've been diagnosed uh, as a sex addict, you know. And um, she took a moment to take it in, um, but she was she's been very supportive. My my stepdad as well. I don't really chat to my dad as much, but um, they've been amazing. Like I mean, they've had to get their head around stuff. Um, they actually flew down from Joburg uh, a couple of years ago to meet with myself and my my sex addiction therapist, just so they could get get more of a grasp of of what it actually entails. Sure. Because I think there's such a stigma and it's it's such a taboo sort of subject, you know. So I think for someone on the outside who doesn't understand the behaviors and and the causes and the effects, um, I mean, it's just foreign to them and it's viewed with a very slanted sort of angle, you know, in society, which is very sad. What are some of the the most common misconceptions that you've heard about sex addiction? Um... I don't know. The guys only thing I think is 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 is, is a quite prevalent. Um, you know, like you said as well. Like um, you know, just because you have a lot of sex, you you're a sex addict. Um, you know, you only have to be sleeping with prostitutes to be a sex addict. You know, it's not actually the. It, you know, I call myself a recovering sex addict, but it's you know, it's not a sex thing for me. You know, yeah. it's it's the behaviors. Sure. You know, whether it's escaping through fantasy. You know, whether it's surfing facebook to look at pictures for an hour you know whatever's compulsive and what is it whatever's unmanageable that's you know that's you know a red flag and how long have you been in recovery now uh three and a half years well done um what's um when we talk about um drug and alcohol um recovery Mm. we we tend to frame it in terms of abstinence from alcohol and drugs um but presumably you you don't abstain from sex or do you no, well, look. I mean, it's it's basically it's based on the three circles. Um, it's it, it's quite complicated, but you can't. I mean, it also depends on what your behaviors are, you know. So, I mean, for someone who's who masturbation isn't a problem, I mean, you know, why stop? You know, I mean, it, it all depends on 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 what your acting out behaviors are. 
for me, I think masturbation is one of the most, um, you know, normal human human thing to do. Mm. You mm. know, um, so I've just got to be specific. I don't want to go into details, no, sure. but I, I, I've got to, you know, I've just got to watch it because it is it can be a problem for me. Yeah. Um, but with other guys, it's you know, like for me, my my biggest goal is to have intimate sex. Yeah. Healthy intimate sex, and that's that's the end result. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so for, let's let's talk now. We've we've talked about uh, about sort of your history and how it came about, but let's talk more specifically about uh, Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. Uh, what is it? What what is a Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous meeting? What happens there? Well, I can't really disclose too much because it's one of the traditions. Yep. Um, so basically, it's 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 just a support network throughout the country for addicts uh, helping each other. It's it's based on the twelve steps. Um, of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, which is the number one sort of the number. It's been the most successful way for people to to get clean from from al- alcoholism and addiction. Mm. Um, so SLA stands for Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. Um, it's open to all genders, all racial types. You know, all it, it's just an, it's an open door policy where people get together and talk about not only their addiction but their recovery. Okay. You know, because I think one of the most important things about this. Um, addiction and disease is the loneliness and I think with a lot of the shame people don't feel that they can talk about it Um, that's why I find meetings so profound for my recovery and you still go to meetings oh yeah after yeah three four 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 meetings a week and I have a day job and I work at a a treatment facility um, at night Scottswood retreats so I'm always busy every day but i still have to make time for meetings i still have to make time to see my sponsor um because i have to work my program okay and what's a sponsor basically a sponsor is um it's someone to guide you through through your process it's someone who has more experience uh, in in the fellowships and is kind of like a mentor if you want to see it like that because i mean we can't we we can't you know, get clean and, and, and work recovery by ourselves. We need other people. And I think that's one of the most important things about recovery is connection with other human beings. So it, there's no professionals. It's not, you don't have to go and sit in a room. And no, it's counseled. all people. I mean, I know if I go to a meeting, there'll be a lawyer, there'll be a school teacher, you know, whatever. I mean, it's across the board. There's no professional. It's, it's, it's a community driven thing. Before we let you go, can you just ex- uh, tell us, first of all, where there are meetings in Cape Town? Sure. I mean, uh, there the, is the website, which is www.slasa.co.za. Uh, my number's on there. Uh, Lee, uh, you can call me whenever you want. Um, I just want to say that like, for anyone who's listening out there, there is hope. You're not alone. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of people that uh, you know are going through the same thing as you. Um, so just don't be afraid. You need to reach out and uh, just be brave and take the first step in getting help. Lee, sorry, b- before I let you go, yeah. I do just want to focus briefly um, on the anonymity part. Yes. Um, which is crucial. Absolutely. It's half our name. Yeah. You know, so whatever happens at a meeting stays at a meeting. And that's just that's just the bottom line. Okay. So, I, you know, it's it's one of the deepest traditions of... Of, of the 12 step fellowship so if there's anybody out there uh, listening um and uh and thinking that you know i, I recognize mm. myself my partner my whoever mm. um and i need help but but has that fear about going to the meeting what if somebody recognizes mm-hmm. me what if the the this the way that the meetings are set up pr- protect absolutely anonymity. i mean that's probably that's probably 
the fundamental sort of cultural aspect of the meetings. Sure. Yeah. So I mean, no one has any has anything to worry about with that. Um, and I think, you know, with sex and love addiction treatment in the last 10 years, it's really come on in leaps and bounds. You know, I know it's still quite a taboo subject, but, you know, clinics and hospitals and rehab uh, institutions are really opening up to it, you know. Um, so there is help out there. Uh, it's not just you're not just shunned away. I mean, I know loads of people who've gone into rehab just for sex and love addiction. You know, it's it's probably more damaging than than any other addiction. Okay. At the end of the day, yeah. Okay, well, you were talking about the, the taboos there, and, and I really thank you for, for coming in this evening and helping break down some of those taboos and, and sharing so candidly uh, your experience. And thanks so much for coming in and, and doing service to your fellowship, which I know this is um, a part of. So, Lee, thank you so much, and uh, and, and all the best uh, in the future. All right, thanks so much. Cheers.